Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, uh, be finding Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. And uh, we're working our way through the highlights of the book of Genesis. Uh, Genesis means a beginning. In fact, any word uh, you, you'll find the consonants basically like in the genetics uh, generation. Any word with those kinds of consonants uh, has to do with origins, the beginning of things. And we've seen up to this point in Genesis 11, uh, where did we come from? Where did people, what's their origin? God created them. Uh, where did men and women come from? Where did the different sexes come from? God created them. That's their origin. Where did marriage come from? From Genesis chapter 2. What about sin and death and suffering? Well, that comes in chapter 3, doesn't it? Where it says that man sinned against God and was exiled from the garden. Everything God made, it says in Genesis 1, he looked at it and said, it's very good. But after sin and death came, suffering evolved. And that's where things got bad. But the Bible in Genesis, these first 11 chapters tell us where everything comes from. It's the, it's the foundations of everything that follows. Where did all the races come from? The languages. Did you know there are like 7,000 different languages in the world? Where does all that come from? And nations. Uh, a note here I put... To remind everybody, we say there are races. There's actually only one race. It's the human race. Acts 17:26, God is made of one blood, all nations of men to dwell on the face of the earth. You cut anybody, no matter what color they are on the outside, they're going to bleed red. One blood, one race. One Genesis, one origin. So after the flood, Noah had three sons, and from these three sons come three streams of humanity, three groups. Hundreds of years pass, and everybody finds their Genesis in either Shem, Ham, or Japheth, the sons of Noah. Well, one of the descendants of these men is a man named Nimrod. You find him first mentioned in Genesis chapter 10. It says in verse 8, Genesis 10, 8, Cush fathered Nimrod, and he was the first one on the earth, and by that he means after the flood, he was the first on the earth after the flood to be a mighty man. 
a gibor, uh, a word which is used to describe the giants in Genesis chapter 6, verse 4. There were giants in the earth. There were Gibor. He was the first, says, he was first on the earth after the flood to be a Gibor, a giant. And the beginning, Genesis 10, verse 10, the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. Well, that's what this is. They were called, chapter 11, verse 9, they were called Babel. So this is Nimrod's kingdom. He's like this giant of a man, a leader. Uh, one, one verse says he was a hunter before the Lord. A mighty hunter, Genesis 10, verse 9. And uh, some uh, versions put that as a tyrant. He was a despot. He was a conqueror uh, and he's the one who establishes this city in Genesis 11 uh, they're moving east and Nimrod stands up one day and says hey let's let's stop uh, moving all around let's just establish a big city and right in the middle of it we'll build a tower that reaches all the way to the heavens or at least some versions put, it's open to the heavens so we can watch the stars and plot the course by astrology. Special note here, verse, chapter 11, verse 4 says, let us build a city and a tower. It's not just a tower, but it's the city of Babel or Babylon. It's the tower of Babel or Babylon. So they are establishing a community, a society um, without God. And they're using astrology and horoscopes to plot their destiny and their future. You ever heard anybody say, what sign are you? See, there's something about a, a society without God which leaves you kind of feeling defenseless. So you look around for something to bring some stability and an anchor to the inner person. And many people look to the stars. But the prophet Isaiah, chapter 47, verse 13 says, Let your astrologers come forward, these stargazers who make predictions each month. Let them save you. See if they can save you from what is coming. They are like stubble, and a fire will burn them up. The Bible is very clear on astrology. Is there no God to inquire of that we must look at a star for guidance? Is there no Bible? Is there no Christ? So I, I want to point out three things here that got my attention. Uh, chapter 11 uh, the whole earth had one language, same words and then in verse 2 it says and they, as people migrated from the east they were eastward says one version their, their direction was east why is that significant? well if you remember in Genesis 3, verse 24, 
the Garden of Eden, where God took Adam and Eve after he created them, had an entrance or exit, and it was in the east, the east side, Genesis 3.22. And when they were exiled, they were exiled through the eastern section of the garden. In other words, they moved east. When Cain killed Abel, Genesis 4.16, it says he moved eastward. See, there's a direction away from God and the garden and his presence. Cain's descendants are called people of the east, Genesis 29.1. So here in chapter 11, when it says, as they moved eastward, in other words, they kept getting farther and farther from God and his presence in the garden. Originally, after they, even after they sinned, they could come back to the entrance and there they could offer sacrifice. They have now moved farther and farther away. Away from God and his presence. So these are Cain's descendants led by a tyrant named Nimrod. And they want to build a civilization without God. Uh, some have suggested that the memory of the flood is fresh. And they want to build something that would out be bigger than any flood God could send. It's like an insurance program. Let's make sure we're defended against God's judgments. Others have suggested this uh, tower was for a dedication painted uh, blue at the top like a like ziggurats which you can now find all over the Middle East. Archaeology has uncovered many of them. But this was the first one, the largest one. And it essentially is the descendants of Cain over time in mass led by Nimrod who says, you know what? Let's have a global government, one without God. In fact, one of the words um, when it says, it calls him a gibor, a mighty man, a hunter, there's also uh, that same word is used in, in Isaiah 9 to describe, it's in verse 6, Jesus Christ. Unto us a son is born, a child is given, and he will be the mighty God, the Gibor. So here is Nimrod, a false Gibor, a false hunter, tyrant. He's the Antichrist, and this is a one world government. And you see it in Genesis 11. Already forming is in man's heart to have one world government led by someone who's anti God and no Bible, no worship. Get far away from the God of creation and the garden that you can get. And let's build a society void of all that that goes with Genesis 1 and 2. So they migrated eastward and wanted to be a people without God. Now, let's, let me point out a second thing here. Look at verse 4. They did this for themselves and their own name. Verse 4 says, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower 
with its top open to the heavens, is one version. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered over the earth. So here's what they wanted to do. This was about them. The exaltation of humanity, not the glorifying of God. So what's wrong with this? Okay, you have a majority that want to live without God, and they want their own government, their own rules, their or lack of rules, and they want to do their own thing. They don't want to pray. They don't want a Bible. They don't want a church. They don't want worship. Uh, they certainly do not consider themselves in need of a Savior. So what is wrong with that kind of life? Here's what's wrong with that. What's wrong with secularism? Psalm 24.1 The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. So right there is a problem. What if you come home from church today and someone is in your house? They've moved in. They're using your furniture, cooking at your stove, breathing your air, using your utilities, sitting on your couch or sleeping in your bed. Uh, Is there a problem with that? I think you'd have a problem with that. You're paying for it. You've made it. Let's say you built it. And yet here's someone who arrogantly thinks he can just move in and act like it's not your territory. And that this furniture is not yours, it's his. That he can lay claim to what is yours. The earth is the Lord's and the furniture thereof, the fullness thereof, everything in it. So that's what's wrong with a secular society. That's what's wrong with a world, one world government led by an antichrist. Some years ago, this was, this was a long time ago, we had a, a lady at Bristol Road uh, who needed a place to stay. And so, you know, we, we invited her to come stay with us for a few days or weeks. I, I'm not sure how long it was. And uh, she moved right in. And Jan was at work one day, and and while Jan was at work, her name was Rose. She, Rose went in the kitchen, started rearranging the items in the cabinets. And I was looking at that, and I, okay, I don't care. I don't prepare the meals anyway. And then Jan came home. That was not a happy experience. In fact, I can distinctly remember thinking, because I heard about this for days. I distinctly remember, note to self, (laughs) do not rearrange kitchen items. I mean, in the movies that you watch, is there any... One who says, 
you know, let's pray about this. Let's go to the God of heaven and ask the God. In TV shows, on news programs, do you think CNN is going to suddenly say, we need to just pause for a moment because uh, we need to think through what does the Bible say? <laughs> I don't think you're going to find that. Or, you know, I'm going to have to leave early because we have a prayer meeting tonight. No, people live as if there is no God. When I was growing up, I used to watch the TV programs like uh, uh, Andy Griffith from Mayberry and uh, Man from Uncle, uh, Gunsmoke. And even in those movies, there was no God. I didn't see any prayer times or church service or, I mean, I, I would imagine there was some every once in a while. I just never saw any. And I used to think, why is there nothing about God on TV? They've built a world where God does not exist in their life as a framework. And here's what Colossians 1.16 says. By him, all things were created. He built it. Whether heaven or earth, visible or invisible, all things were created by him and for him. So they have decided they're going to build themselves a city there's not going to be a church or a synagogue or there's just going to be a top open to the, a tower with its top open to the heavens by which they can find some destiny making direction. They want to be famous in that way. Here's one third thing. The result of this is that of people trying to live without God is scattering. He disturbs it. God doesn't sit by idly. He comes and he scatters. He disturbs. He divides it up. Look in verse 8 and 9. So the Lord scattered or dispersed them over the face of the earth and they stopped building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel because the Lord confused their language. In other words, God, I don't know exactly how he did this. Maybe by uh, some manipulation of the vocal cords where you can't pronounce certain words. Um, and so you tend to be with people who can pronounce the same words in the same way as you do. And uh, so, so God changes their inflection and tone and pronouncements so that they can't make the same sounds that they used to. So they started dividing up among the people who made, who could talk like they do. I'm not sure exactly how it happened. But we do know that God intervened. And it's interesting, they said in verse 4, let's build a city and a tower so we're not scattered. In verse 9, and the Lord scattered them. There is nothing you can do. Your intention and decision to live without God, 
can be overruled by God the Creator. So that it, it, the result is the opposite of what you intended. In Psalm 33, uh, verse 10 and 11, listen at this. The Lord foils or frustrates the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of people. But His plans stand forever. The purpose of His heart through all generations. In other words, somebody may have a plan for your home and your yard. I got my own plans. I've got plans and I, this is my furniture and this is my home and I'm paying the utilities and I, uh, so I have my own plans. And if you have plans, I will try to thwart your plans for my house. And that is what he says here. Psalm 33, 10. The Lord frustrates the plans of the nations. And you see this today with families. Families where the divorce rate is sky high. They're scattering. Husband goes one way, wife another, children another. And you see it in churches. Folks, churches sometimes live without God. And I would say that there is nothing more ridiculous than the church of the Lord Jesus Christ living without prayer, without His Word, without faith, than a church that tries to do so. But there is division in politics and national union splitting apart. You know, they're talking about, someone suggested there needs to be a national divorce. Another civil split. But God judges those people and thwarts and frustrates their plans when they try to have a life that does not include the creator of all things. That's what you have in Genesis 11. But now let me bring this to close with this theme that you also uh, find. I'm going to give you Colossians 1.17 uh, before we do this, but Colossians 1.17 is a verse uh, that we all need to heed. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. In Christ, things unite. God is going to send the Christ. And in Genesis 11, there is a future Savior. Now listen at this theme in the Old Testament. Jeremiah 31.10 Hear the word of the Lord, O nations. Declare it in the coastlands far away. That's here in the United States. That he who scattered Israel will also gather it. God gathers as well as scatters. And God will keep him and shepherd him like his flock. Shepherd gathers his flock. That's what Jeremiah the prophet said. Now listen to this prophet, Zephaniah. Chapter 3, verse 9. I will return to the people a pure language. A pure means it's not mixed up. It's not confusing like Babel. 
I'll give to them a pure language so they call upon the name of the Lord and serve him with one consent or one accord. Now think about this. They're gathered. They're, they have one language understood by everybody. They're in one accord. Where does that sound like? What does that sound like? That's Pentecost. Acts 2, 1. They all came together in one accord, one consent. In verse 6, and the multitude came together and they were amazed because every man heard them speak in his own language. In the death and resurrection of Christ, an outpouring of the Spirit, there's a complete reversal of Babel. You do not have to be scattered. You do not have to be frustrated. You do not have to lose close friends and family members. With the death, resurrection, and outpouring of the Spirit, you can come together. What God does in Acts 2 is just illustrate the fact that there is a gathering, there's a new language, there's a new unity of the Spirit, uh, that comes through the church of Jesus Christ. Pentecost is the reversal of Babel. So my, my message this morning is to invite you and encourage you, maybe exhort is not too strong, uh, to seek God. Do not try to live as if there is no God. Do not breathe his air or use his blessings as if they are your own or you produce them. Do not take his joys and benefits with such ingratitude, but let us join together in praising, acknowledging, and magnifying the Lord from whom all blessings flow. Amen, church? Yes, and amen. Let's bow together for prayer, and ushers, you come, and let's worship with tithes and offerings this morning. Heavenly Father, we pray you would deliver us from the sin of Babel, self-exaltation, self-promotion, to make ourselves a name and and you be our cause and our goal and our objective and our praise and you be our unifier this morning you be our peace through Jesus Christ we pray